Howdy, friends, and welcome back to the Thinking Pilates podcast, where we're having rich conversations not only about Pilates and the Pilates mindset, but about how people move and are moved, the way we think about each other and we play together, how we form relationships with and through movement, and a whole lot of other human-y good things that we think you're going to love. I'm Chantel Lopez. I'm the creator of Said Shenanigans, and I am joined by my delightful co-host, James Crater. We are deeply grateful for your time and attention, as always, and appreciate your feedback, your shares on social media, and your reviews on iTunes, because that kind of love is what keeps us going, keeping you inspired and curious, we hope, for a very, very long time. And now, for the show. Hello, everybody. It is episode 68, and we are nearing the end of season three on curiosity. I hope, and actually, I don't hope, I know that you are thrilled to be having Deborah Colway back on this episode. And it's a special episode because it's basically like being a fly on the wall while she and I are chatting. And it's a really beautiful conversation, and I think it's so deeply rooted in the expression of curiosity, and it weaves really beautifully kind of back in time and into the present moment and then into the future as we explore the different kinds of curiosity and where they lead us and fostering curiosity in ourselves and what that means and when it can be problematic and when it is most critical, and then How do we create that for our students as well without enabling them or making them codependent? How do we foster curiosity in support of self-efficacy and autonomy? It's such a trick sometimes and yet so simple. And Deborah and I, we just talk about all the things, all the things around curiosity and our own experiences with striving and reaching and settling in. There was one thing I wanted to share with you that really has been sitting with me since we recorded yesterday, which is something a student of hers shared with her, somebody who had come in with a lot of injury and pain, and you'll hear a little bit about her. Deborah talks about her toward the end of the podcast. And she says something to Deborah that is just incredibly powerful. She says, there is a difference between caring and worrying And how do we care for our students without worrying about them? And what are the implications of worrying? And what kind of message does that send? And what kind of environment does that create? And it was just a really pivotal moment in our conversation. And finally, enough words from me. We're going to jump right into this conversation with Deborah, which feels like kind of mid-flow, but I think you're going to dig it. So here we go. Our co-creation is an expression of curiosity. I mean, our whole, our whole friendship. Yeah, I think so too. You know, oh, so yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was, um, I was walking around the house after we talked, you know, and um, thinking. I'm just kind of mumbling to myself. <laughs> and um I I thought in a way the our whole relationship and the way that we have grown together, just our friendship and our colleague mess <laughs> and how we've learned from each other over the last few years. Um it's um, it's exactly what I would want <laughs> in mm-hmm. in a in a mm-hmm. in a collaborative in a relationship. I mean, because yeah. Uh, well, what I I thought of, uh, this most recent thought that I was having as I was walking around the house a couple hours ago was just we we really share. 
Mm. We share what we know. We share what we believe in. We share what's up for us. We share our confusions. We share the (laughs) stucknesses. You know, it's like really, really real for me and full. It's, it's, um, um, and so, and, and so when contemplating an opportunity to actually, you know, produce something quote professionally that we would put out in the world beyond the podcast, you know, mm-hmm. anything, um, and the, you know, the, the manifestation this, of this retreat that Catherine gave us this opportunity to, to actually purposefully come together and do something, mm-hmm. um, it's, it, um, it's all those things to me because we're asking, uh, we're, we're bringing to it the particular things that we're really interested in, uh, currently, maybe even some things that, um, kind of, oh, how do I want to say this, not define our interest in teaching, but the things that are important to us overall, not just what we're currently, what is the word that you've been using? Um, mm-hmm. Percolating. Percolating. <laughs> yeah. And um, <clears throat> it's really what I would think a collaboration would be and what I have often missed. You know, I work with a lot of people and it, and we share ideas, but it often feels like we're just working side by side. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice being there together in that way, but <clears throat> I feel differently about this, and it's something that I've wanted. It's not like we're actually teaching the workshop together because right. she, you know, we couldn't really make that work. Mm-hmm. Um logistically, financially, whatever. But um, my choices, and my choices definitely came out of knowing that I was going to be there with you mm-hmm. and that yeah. we were doing this together, even if not literally co-teaching a workshop. Mm-hmm. And I think that in my mind how, you know, there was some confusion at first. It wasn't graceful at first you know, with the Google Doc and trying to, um, the three of us blend our ideas and, you know, hash it all out at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was a moment for me where it did click. It really did. And I thought, oh, it's good that we're both there because mm-hmm. we do, um, we literally support each other in the sense of, I don't know how to say this exactly, but I say like, Fill it, not fill in the blanks as if somebody has a missing part, but mm-hmm. but it's richer and it's more, it's a, a fuller experience because of the different things, mm-hmm. and nicer because I don't have to know what you know, mm-hmm. and right. um, but I can be interested in it and then I can contemplate that area, whether I'm as versed in it as you or not, but I can contemplate it and it and it definitely uh shades or tones what what I would what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had the same experience and 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 a lot of others. Um but I was just thinking that yeah it's in all of my collaborative experience, and I've done a lot, it, it's often um, really rocky in the beginning because I think the way we each need to start is so different mm-hmm. and the way we sort through ideas and, um, you know, just this kind of the character of our um, process is so different. And I was just thinking that um, I don't know 
um, I don't know exactly what to say except for that it feels like there is something um, really true about this idea of knowing yourself through um, other. And this is something that James and I were, you know, we're kind of, this is the whole Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen thing yeah. from a few weeks ago. And it's, it's, you know, when you, when you have an idea or a feeling or a, an, an experience that, you know, some, somebody gives kind of succinct words to, and you start to see like, oh, that's this too. That's what that experience was too. And that's what all of these experiences have been. And that's what the current experience is. And I can see now that that is what the future experiences will be, which is I know myself in any given moment because I'm in relationship to you. And that just happens. Like I'm really, really aware of that in the moment in all different kinds of ways. But in particular, in this conversation, thinking about how when you were able to get clear and put your words down, that I I had the same experience of being able to see my work through the lens of you and mm-hmm. your language and your experience. And it gave what I wanted to offer and contribute more shape and mm-hmm. a particular shape. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's a different shape than if I'm presenting on my own. And it's a different shape if I'm collaborating with James and it's a different shape if I'm, you know, it's the shape it takes on is, is co-created as you said. And I think that is um, so beautiful and it takes patience. That's, you know, one thing I'm really aware of. And I was thinking we would start this conversation where I was at least thinking about what I had to say about, you know, bringing you back onto the podcast and having a conversation with you and sharing you again with the, the bigger world and I was thinking about how curiosity infiltrates everything or doesn't, right? But it but it it also takes on lots of shapes and I was thinking about it in terms of time and um you know, curiosity about the past and curiosity about the future and and then about the moment and I think what we're talking about is is like present moment curiosity, right? Of of shaping each other and being in relationship with each other, whether or not it's about creating something like, like the retreat and like the workshops and, and whatnot and the classes, or if it's um, just being in dialogue with somebody in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. The, the being willing to be curious um, and listen and listening is, a, you know, a very overt theme, I think, in my work and teaching right now, and it's coming through in this retreat content. And like when you're in conversation with somebody, you know, how how important just listening is and mm, that that is listening, I think, is in, in a way a form of curiosity, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um Oh man, um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty, pretty strange. I wanna before we jump away from the Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen experience, um, because you brought it up, mm-hmm. the, um, the the learning, the listening, the learning, the being in relationship with other. You know what I remember so much being. Um, you know, so profound for me when I first experienced that work and studied body-mind centering and was playing with all of that was um, the in-relationship part because the whole thing is so much based on developmental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, the... Um, there was another word that you used, but... So curious, let's just come back to curious, that the development of the the baby, for example, in that first year, so much of how the body 
if it's, you know, healthy enough and has enough support to actually develop along a, uh, you know, a, a good, healthy plan has to do with impulse and motivation and curiosity and stimulus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the whole thing of, you know, okay, well, it, how do they develop their, their cervical and lumbar curves so they can, you know, push up and then squat back and then eventually come to standing. And that whole thing, mm-hmm. it comes out of um, the curiosity or the stimulation that they have a, a desire and a motivation. They're, they're not sitting there saying that to themselves, you know, right. but there's a, a push from inside, you know, mm-hmm. an impulse mm-hmm. that makes the baby want to look and see what is that shiny object that my mom is dangling in front of my face, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I want to, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm yearning toward that. I'm craning mm-hmm. my physicalness toward that in it. And, and if I'm going to turn my head to look at it, if I'm going that direction, I got to figure out how to pick my head up, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and look. Mm-hmm. And then, um, do I have the, am I, am I enough desiring? Am I curious enough? Is the impulse strong enough? Are the cells lined up enough so that I can actually manage to do that enough time to build the physical strength? Um, you know, and uh, just so much of our development, we focus so much on the body and the movement, and do we have the strength or the capacity or the stamina to do and perform something? But but underlying all of that is is the drive and the desire. Mm. And when there's when there's missing bits, support wise, inter inter relationally wise, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, is there enough energy behind the desire to make it worth it to take the effort? to do the thing physically that will actually build the strength or the capacity to then succeed in that and then go on to the next thing, you know, and not to, not that it's a linear process as we know, but, you know, um, it, you know, what, what does it take to keep going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what propels us forward when there are obstacles in our path. Uh, you know, like why do some people, mm-hmm. why does why do some things never make it? You know, why do some, mm-hmm. you know, it's spring here we are. Like why do some of those seeds not like don't they push up and some make it and some don't? Mm-hmm. And so the curiosity thing or the um. Yeah, and 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 to be listened to so that your deepest desires are given an audience or a you know a what would you say so you're not feeling like you're alone in your effort whatever your effort is at whatever stage of development. Yeah, yeah. There's something. I mean, I just. I think what happens when you and I talk often is like there's so many threads, so many things I want to respond to, and I yeah. then I can't like they're all colliding at once, and I don't quite know what which one to pick up. But um, something about um, you know, first of all, like the 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 stimulus being like the first, it's like the baseline of curiosity, right? The 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 most. Um, I don't know. I don't know if this is actually true, but I'm, it feels like cellularly the basis, right, of of curiosity, of motivation, as you're talking about, you know. The, like the, the quickening. They talk about it as the quickening. Yeah, you know? right. Or, you know, <laughs> it also reminds me of, like, the primitive streak, right, like the the beginning of the thing, the beginning something right it's but the urge it's an urge yeah the urge right but then 
but then this idea of like, how, how do we make it? Like, how do we, cause I just feel like sometimes I'm asking myself that, how do I make it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, whether it's in the face of something big or this in the face of something in the moment that feels, um, you know, slightly insurmountable, like a, like a child breaking down on the floor in the middle of the grocery store or something. It's like, how do I, how do I make it? Um, and then it's like, how do I make it? Well, I need to be listening to myself, but I also need to be listened to. And I think that, you know, that's the witnessing. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I need to be, I need to be witnessed. There's something about, I can't know myself alone, right? Like if I'm isolated, it's like a failure to, to thrive kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if I, if I don't, I don't know who I am unless I'm in relationship to mm-hmm. some thing else or someone else. Um, and then I know better how to be in relationship with myself. That is certainly my experience on all the levels, like on the deep intimate levels and also on the but like intimate professional levels that we're talking about of our friendship and our collaboration and, you know, to, to feel my work take shape in, in relationship to you. Like it has this essence, right? It has this, like it's witnessed. I put it down on paper. You read it. You have a question. You have a thought, you know, Catherine has a thought. It's like, Oh, I know better now how to, say it or I know better what it is and and then and then it blossoms and then it becomes something um shit I just had another thought and I forgot and I lost it I know you're I know you're so good I don't know shoot it was something about that um uh wait I'm coming back to it I write, oh, my, my, my dearest, one of my dearest, dearest friends, Corey, who lives here in Sacramento, she and her husband, we've been friends with them for 20 years. The, the reason we are here in Sacramento, damn them. Right, they're the and ones we that were, they moved and they let you move into their house, right? Well, yeah, but that's like the recent part of the story. I mean, the old part of the story is that okay. we lived in Hawaii together. We lived in Sonoma County together for many years, and then we lived in Hawaii together. They stayed, and we left. And when they finally left Hawaii, they came. They moved to Sacramento because that's where my our friend Josh's family is is here. And then for about I oh gosh, I don't know, five years, six years, they um, were trying to convince us to move here. So that's why we ended up, you know, this why we ended up here. But in any case. Our kids are best friends. So Charlie, my son, who's 13, who you know, and um, Corey's daughter, uh, Kalia, they're both 13. And Kalia's in eighth grade, Charlie's in seventh grade. But we were talking about school and the challenges of middle school and adolescence and all that crazy stuff and um, about reading and writing. And uh, we were talking about you know, how kids learn to write, how they learn, you know, to not hate writing because it's so formulaic in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it feels Mm -hmm. like every, anytime you're getting feedback, it's a criticism and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's an indication of how you're not doing it right. And Mm -hmm. we were talking about the, I said to her, I feel like the greatest leaps like the greatest benefit to me as a writer is when I have a good editor who is in dialogue with me and that it's not just somebody editing my work and giving Mm -hmm. me feedback and making changes. It's being in conversation about Mm -hmm. the changes. So there is a mutual listening and curiosity and the, you know, the way that we can do it now through Google docs and whatnot is is that I can submit work and I want to just say that I have the most amazing editor. He also happens to be the editor for Pilates Intel, um, Dave Johnson. And he's down in San Diego and he's editing my book. And it's the most wonderful experience because 
he goes in and he makes suggestions and and he's so thoughtful and he'll say things like i uh, you know, this word, I, I think, I know what you mean, but I don't think it's the word you want. And here's why. And here's, you know, and and then I can ponder it and I can think about it and I can read the sentence and I can read it in relationship to the paragraph. And then I can make a change and go back and say, Do you, is this it? Like, how does this feel? How does this read? Does this, you know, stand and it's so insightful, and I feel like he's really listening. He's really reading. You know, he's really – and then I can be witnessed in this way, and we can have this process, and I'm learning, and I'm enjoying it, and I don't feel – it's not – I mean, I'm way past the point in this part of my professional life where I feel um, criticized. So, it's, you know, it's like not about that, but it feels – so deeply valuable. And Corey was talking about how just coincidentally, um, she did that with Kalia for the first time because Kalia is in eighth grade and she's, it's crazy what the kids have to do to get into high school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like what we had to do to get into college. And so she's writing these long essays. And so Corey sat down and did this, went through, like just made the suggestions and they were in dialogue. And it was so rich and so valuable. And all of a sudden there is, it's like, I see you and you see me and you're listening to me and I'm listening to you. And, and all of a sudden it's, um, it's all okay. And what's what, you know, what is brought forth, what blossoms is sweet and Mm -hmm. full. And it, it is not less than, because, you know, that is, I think, often the experience. And we, I think we can hold that up against, you know, any relational interaction where when, when, we're, um, when we're sharing and somebody is, is overly eager to give us advice and it feels like we're not really being listened to mm-hmm. or we're not really being witnessed. And so what does that do for us? I know for me, it shuts down my curiosity. It shuts down my willingness to listen to them mm-hmm. because I don't feel mm-hmm. listened to. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens very frequently and obviously in the teaching, you know, yeah. relationship. Yeah, so, making the analogy the whole time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. So what, yeah, so what, what about that? I don't know for you. Well, what about it for me is it's like a it's a crisis of conscience. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, it is not entirely different from what you and I have been talking about for several years now. You know, we sort of started out. Uh, you know, what do we call ourselves? You know, are we a teacher? Are we a facilitator? Are we an instructor? Are we a space holder? Are we a you know that whole thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and. My ever-growing, oh, this is probably a little overly dramatic, but my ever-growing sort of disgust with, um, you know, how much I talk. <laughs> it's just so much talking. And it seems mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, um, this problem with, like, you know, being in communication as a way of teaching, you have to open your mouth. Um, <laughs> you know, there's talking that happens, but to shift it into a dialogue and the culture of teaching and how do people learn all of this, um, I'm, I'm more and more interested in listening to what the other one has to say, but then you have to start somewhere. You know, this is the conundrum, you know. Um, It takes patience. It takes time. It takes kind of... um, get When people come for lessons, just to use that as an example, they're coming with a certain expectation and a desire and an agenda and um you know this is this is 
kind of what I'm curious about right now, really, is is that how to mm-hmm. how to start to allow myself to be more satisfied with what it is <laughs> that I'm doing every day, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, lately I've been attending um, lots of community meetings and community gatherings of various members of the Shambhala community because the mm. whole thing is just, as my daughter would say, it's a shit show. <laughs> I don't know if you've, follow, if you've been following it, but, you know, it's um, our Shambhala community is, is completely being uprooted and dragged through the mud. And um, so I've been attending you know, lots of community gatherings where people are are trying to come together and listen and be heard and discuss. Mm. Um, and so there are many really skilled facilitators in these groups. And, you know, there's, um, what do you call it, like guidelines to how the meetings proceed. And one of the things that I that I found the most interesting is this, term, um, uh, seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Mm. And um, just really contemplating that and working with that a lot lately. And and it's real interesting mm. because, you know, it's, it's a shift. Mm-hmm. And it really takes you have to listen. You have to be willing to wait. Yes. And um, there's and and that's so interesting to me right now. Patience has never been my strong suit, if you want to use that term. <laughs> and it's just, um, you know, I and I don't I I don't like to keep keep saying things like, well, as I get older, or you know, part of the aging <laughs> process and this whole thing. But I can. Feel it like I'm literally lately. My insides feel different. Mm. It's it's um like I I'm it, it, I can't keep just doing the same thing, mm-hmm. no matter how valuable it might have been or how much I had to offer or any of these things. It's, you know, you spoke about knowing yourself um, through relations to others and different ways of knowing ourselves. I lately have, this is new, I don't really have a lot of words for it right now, but I I actually think I know myself at this point. And I mm-hmm. and it's funny to say it because I thought because then I think, well what the heck have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> who, who have you been hanging out with, you know? Uh, and uh, so uh. it's more like I think I've been I've been living in a in a I've agreed to something which is um, like a cultural something, a particular cultural something, which is that, you know, um, a lot of kudos, kudos or whatever that word is, for mm-hmm. um, like lifelong learner, um, constant self-exploration, um, <laughs> all of those words which we could come up with mm. as if, like, like when when do I just integrate? And I think again to make an analogy to movement practice. Um, you know, I was thinking about this with regard to movement practice. There's a there's a way of hearing instruction, for example, or delivering instruction that can be and maybe needs to be sometimes very much. Uh, a sense of linear, um, do this, to do this, to do this, to mm-hmm. do this, mm-hmm. right? You know, track, uh, helping people understand how to track through their body or you mm-hmm. know, put your foot here so, and push off this thing so that it can do this to your hip or whatever. 
<laughs> and, um, you know, so we do teach that way and, and we do learn, you know, mm-hmm. the scales yeah. first or whatever it is. But at mm-hmm. what point do we just take a breath and arrive in it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of uh, woke up the other day and for a few moments I thought, I'm, I, I, I'm just here. And I know myself. I don't have to keep figuring it out. <sighs> yeah. And 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 it goes away. And of course, you know. But um, <laughs> but what I mean by that is an experience of um just appreciation, just like eating the meal, mm-hmm. tasting it appreciating it, just um, having the experience as opposed to constantly having to dissect it for its worth or its, I don't know, like component parts and then what do I do Mm -hmm. with that, you know? And Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, you and I are always talking about how movement and movement practice the analogy of other areas in life, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, always on a developmental continuum, as they say in BMC, mm-hmm. um, but, and, and stopping to actually acknowledge, you, you spoke earlier about curiosity about the past, curious about the future, and then actually living in this present reality, um, like really uh, feeling the fullness or the truth, even if it's not pleasant, like even if it's not nothing like, oh, I know who I am, like I arrived, it's all good, you know, mm-hmm. and now like I'm cool, <laughs> I can do whatever. Uh-huh, right. But, but, <laughs> but just that um, like, poof, mm-hmm. land in this. Mm-hmm. Like land in this, and then period, like period. Mhm, mhm. And so the, and so the, yeah. so that like the curiosity. I think for me, maybe curiosity, it, just to keep using that word a little bit, um, like about, and so that kind of had a bit of a, a forward thrust. What's next? Mm-hmm. What's next? Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. sort of, I'm always like strategizing. Am yeah. I gonna? Mm-hmm. Am I gonna? Am I gonna right. something? Right, right. Yeah, it's making me think of. Um, I have been having this conversation a lot um, about. I'm really fucking tired of yeah. inquiry. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired <laughs> of questioning like asking why i'm tired of it yes. like i've just yes. um uh and and it's like it's exhausting the self reflecting self reflecting and i have for the first half of my i'll just say adult life you know where i've actually been like had words to put to the experience been really proud of the fact or at least like really valued that character trait of self-reflection and I have always felt like I was talking to Corey about this um yesterday of like it's so um like I'm 42 and I feel like I've been through so many ups and downs and so much you know like my own variety of intensity in my life and transitions and changes and and I have been really good ultimately of, of self-managing and self-care. And I think my work reflects that. I think your work reflects that quality in you too. And I'm, I'm like, I'm done. Can I just get rid of this please? Like, can I just, I'm, I'm, I, it's not, I don't know how it's serving me in the moment. Um, it's, it clearly is serving me and has served me, but I, but I think the thing I really want to say is that there, that is a very particular brand of curiosity yeah. that I that I like that I'm familiar with that I'm good at, 
But what about this other brand of curiosity, which is not about thinking, but about feeling? And and it just for my just as you were talking, I'm thinking, oh yeah, that's what it's like to spend your entire life stuck in um, like top down processing. Even though I feel like it it go it resonates deep, right? It's not just intellectual. It's it's deep. It's deep in the body. It's deep in the heart and deep in the soul. And but it's also he, kind of a heavy kind of questioning and curiosity. Whereas it reminds me developmentally of the beginning stages of teaching movement, where it's mm-hmm. a lot of thinking. It's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of like do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, and then we do want and need a moment of quiet non-thinking and that that is the shift from one and I'm just now only now thinking about it in terms of you know different different versions of curiosity it's like can I can I take this um uh analytical thinking pulled apart strategizing curiosity, right? Because that's the stimulus, right? That's the, the, the little nub that moves us in a direction. And can I, can it take a different form and can it just be about, oh, this is the meal, as you say, you know, I made this beautiful meal. Actually, I got out on the motorcycle for the first time in months and it was amazing just now. And I got home and I made this beautiful meal um, out of leftover tomato soup from dinner last night and a piece of toast with melted cheddar cheese on it with mm. a poached egg. Mm-hmm. A poached egg in the tomato soup, and then I put a dollop of pesto on it. Oh, my God. And, yeah, right? This is This is like the gourmet leftover kid meal. But I was eating it, and I just had every bite. I was thinking, this is so good. This is so good. This is so good. This is so tasty. You know, it's like just the the curiosity that exists in in appreciation of 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 the experience without thinking about how the fucking thing was made or all, all the things, you know. Yeah. And so in life just this is this is, you know, like this is the routine, this is the thing, this is what I do, this is what I am doing, not how is this where I want to be or not want to be, how does this hold up against the people that I think I should be like, how is this making me money, not making me money, how is this, you know, like the constant, I'm done with that level of inquiry, (laughs) you know, and, and in the body, can we just be in the body, you know, just without the thinking, well, much. yeah, I mean, it changes. It changes all the time. Again, back to motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like every, it shifts, you know, it shifts um, all the time. And, and, and all the people are also always changing. Um, I had a really good conversation with a, a woman last night. Um, one of my clients who is, um, she's going, she's got several, you could call them medical issues going on right now. And, um, I've been kind of, I could tell I was dancing around her a little in our lessons lately. I really couldn't tell what, something had changed and, uh, I could, I, I couldn't get to her. Like I, I, I couldn't meet her the way I like to meet when I'm in a lesson with somebody. And, um, but I didn't, I didn't want to necessarily make a thing out of it because the other thing that I've been noticing lately is that I'm, I'm off like with this, like I can be really off about what I'm perceiving. Mm. And so, or there's some truth, but it's not necessarily what I, what I think. There's something. So anyway, I had an opportunity to have a conversation with her last night and we were talking 
And um, she said to me, you know, I'm, I have this and this and this. I don't want, I don't want to reveal too much, but she said, I need to normalize those things for myself in my life because I'm living with those. And I really cannot and do not want to be walking around like as a, I guess she didn't use the word identified, but however she put it, as a person who had all these things that are wrong with her. Mm -hmm. And she said, so in my Pilates lesson, even though there's many things she quote unquote cannot do at this point, she doesn't care and she doesn't want me to help her do them better. Mm -hmm. It's like she doesn't, like for her, her Pilates lessons cannot be one more thing where there's correction going on. Right. Or adjustment, you know? And um, it was so, she, she was able to express this to me in such a way that I didn't feel defensive or um, like I didn't feel at all unwanted by her, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, um, it was, she was simply sharing her truth with me Mm -hmm. and sort of saying, so, um, she said, I want you to be my teacher. She said, this has nothing Mm -hmm. to to do with that. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, however, and she didn't say however, but there was the however, I'm not looking, you know, like I, like I'm not looking I've already said it, but you you kind of get what I'm saying. And I was like, wow, how insightful of her. She's older, even older than I am, <laughs> you know, and she knows herself. And mm-hmm. it's like she wants to do Pilates. She doesn't not want to, but mm-hmm. she wants to do it on her own terms. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. very interested in having me witness or be with her or, you know, be there with her and say, let's do this and let's do that and come on over here and da-da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. but not, mm-hmm. you know, not there to even her out or show her where her twists are or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I'm, mm-hmm. and so if you want to take the curiosity thing, for me, it's like, oh, I could be, I could take this as a, like, well, what am I doing, you know? What am I going to do there? How will I be with her and spend my time, you know? How can I mm-hmm. use myself well? And so it's like, I don't know exactly. And mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, do you remember one time, I don't know if it was you or James, but I had this little phrase, uh, like as if it could be an interview or an article or a thought process or one of these things when we were really into the we the movement phase Mm -hmm. and I I had this thought one time of like what do you hear when I stop talking you know it's sort of like or what do we hear when everyone stops talking what's left Mm -hmm. you know what's the resonating like thing and I thought so so what can what can what can I don't even know if I can use the word grow. What can be? What what's the life? What's the aliveness when Deborah's not responsible for telling everybody what to do? <laughs> mm. Mm. And it's like so joyful. It was so joyful. It was so cathartic in a way. Honestly, I'll tell you, we had gone to see the Batsheva Dance Company. Have you ever seen them? What is it? The Batsheva Dance Company. No. Um, it's a company out of Israel. They're, they're well-known. Uh, their, their artistic director is such a force, powerful force, and he created this. I won't go into it too much. We can talk about it another time. But uh, a form of movement that, has, that people use in both choreography and in sort of dance, formal dance, but then also in just human human life movement. Um, the performance was so intense. It was mm. loud, like the music choices, and the, there were points in the performance where 
they purposefully, the, the, the sound just gets louder and louder and louder. And it's like mm-hmm. so, so loud, like your whole body. And, and the movement was, was huge and just crazy and repetitive, lots of it. And there was some rap that was just ugly and intense. And, you know, he, he went all over the place with this. And I, and I usually can get pretty upset by that. And also loudness like that ever since my had a concussion back in 94 and, like, sound has been tough. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed that I just could sit there and absorb it all. And I thought, ooh, this is interesting. This is fine with me. Like, I would say an eighth of the audience is a huge, huge theater here in Boulder. Got up and left. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought, and I thought, well, what it felt like to me was that the performance was manifesting for me, but outside of me, all the the rage and the ugliness and the the news, you know, and the fear and the frustration and the aggression of all the people on the planet and the stuff that's going on and the loudness and just... I could sit there and be with all the discomfort and the unwanted feelings and the, and the intensity of the loudness, and, and I didn't have a need to turn away from it. It just mm. felt incredibly cathartic. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I haven't really, you know, thought it through. <laughs> I mm. just had the experience. And so... On the tail of that, she's telling me this stuff. And I was like, oh, one more opportunity in a way um, to be a little bit more of a witness and to let stuff happen outside me. I don't have to be the generator of everything. I don't even have to experience everything. Mm-hmm. And what was that? What is that? What is that going to be like? Hmm. Hmm. I think. Um. I think this is the perfect place to to stop, and I want to restate the thing that you said a few moments ago, which was, "What would exist in the space?" When Deborah stops talking, and, yeah, and 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 I think it's such a beautiful question, and it's the perfect question I think for us to pose to ourselves, which is what what what's left, what exists in that space when we stop talking, yeah, and and we can take it. We can ask ourselves, I would, I will ask myself that as I go out into the rest of my day. I have a couple of mentoring meetings. I'll be meeting and, and hanging out with some local teachers and supporting them. And it will be, and then in relationship to myself later, um, uh, you know, that, that's what's resonating. It's like how, what's left in the space when I stop asking why or how or when and then maybe for those of you who are listening it's what's left in the space when you stop telling your student what to do or how to do it or or offering any kind of feedback at all yeah she talked to me about the difference between caring and worrying about The difference between caring and mm-hmm. learning about, like worrying about, like a oh, worrying, yes, like if worrying. you, she said, if you worry about me, um, that indicates that I can't, that I don't have the resources to take care of myself. Yes, yes, Ugh. right, up. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we were just talking about this. I was, when I was in Chicago last week with the beautiful people at Village Pilates, 
we were talking about the difference between um, how we show up for teaching based on, uh, we don't realize this, but based in fear, um, wanting to fix the student, wanting to help them succeed in their goals, um, but that we can teach from a place of limitation as if the body is not capable, as if the person is not capable. And that's very interesting in relationship to this question because when we don't stop talking as teachers, we send a message that the student does not have the resources Mm -hmm. and can't trust themselves because if we thought we could trust themselves, we would stop talking and give them a chance. And that came up in one of the workshops I taught, and we were talking about when somebody has pain or fear, and as the teacher, we ask perpetually, how does that feel? Is that okay? Is that okay? How is that? How does that feel? Um, I think that's a thread of that. I think that's so uh, poignant, the difference between caring and worrying about. Whew. Well, that's like a that's like we're leaving people standing at the edge of a very tall cliff. I kind of like it. <laughs> I like it, and I love yeah. you. Oh my God, I've been just sitting here thinking how completely nourished I feel by having just hung out with you. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, I think there are just no more words, like nothing else needs to be said. So I'm going to dive right into a sweet reminder of something we've been talking about all season, and it's coming around soon. Momentum Fest is happening in June, June 21st through 23rd. And uh, something else that's coming up is the end of the early bird registration, which ends on Monday April 15th. So you're going to want to jump on the tickets if you are interested in heading to Westminster, Colorado, smack dab between Boulder and Denver and hang out with me and Deborah and James and all kinds of awesome people, some that you know and some that you don't know. Meet new people and see old friends and move and groove and play in the sunshine. Sounds kind of awesome, huh? MomentumFest.com is where you can go for all of the information. They have so many great opportunities. Become an ambassador, become an volunteer. Good stuff happening on the Monday following. And so if you're a Pilates teacher and you're into getting some CECs, that is happening. I wanted to keep things kind of brief today in terms of Momentum Fest. I'm excited to be there, and the closer it gets, the more excited I get, and the more I am percolating. That's obviously some word I like on the classes and the, and what will happen for me, what I will be teaching and how I will be engaging not only with you and the other students, but also just my colleagues. And I'm getting really, really, really excited. I wanted to share two quotes from folks who attended last year, because it's always nice to hear from people who've had the experience before. And this one is from Emma Comely. And she says, there was so much love, community, and great movement at Momentum Fest 2018 that my feet barely touched the ground in three days. Can't recommend this festival enough. My favorite part is that my feet barely touched the ground in three days. Mm, Just sounds like something I want. And then the other one I wanted to share with you was this one from Lexi Adkins. And she writes, all these posts make me buzz inside thinking how each year of Momentum Fest will build upon the other. It's going to be crazy. I came in last year not knowing anyone. And now since then, I have tons of connections with other teachers all around. To meet up again and practice and play together is going to be so incredibly meaningful. Can you believe all this that you created? Huge thank you, Lexi. I don't know, you guys. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. So check it out, MomentumFest.com. Early bird registration or ticket prices end April 15th. That is just around the corner. 
And otherwise, we hope you enjoy the podcast. And if you do enjoy it, then maybe you'd be willing to share your love and appreciation for it on iTunes with a review. It's super simple. You can do it through your phone. We're also on Spotify if you're digging that these days. And make sure you check out the website, thinkingpilates.com, where all of the episodes live, where you can post your comments and read the show notes and all that cool stuff, because there's always lots of extra goodies living on the website that you don't get access to via our wonderful podcast channels. All right. Wishing you all a wonderful March. Breathe deep and teach well. Well.